Welcome back to Cherry Avenue True Crime Podcast. Just a quick reminder that new episodes come out on the 15th and the 30th of each month with bonus episodes thrown out there willy-nilly, so please hit subscribe so you don't miss any of them. Today's episode is the story of Tony Joe Henry, who had a horrible childhood, fought drug addiction, found true love, and then was involved in a murder. I am covering the movie made about her case and the true story that the movie was based on. The Pardon is a 2013 movie starring Jamie King, Jason Lewis, John Hawks, and M.C. Ganey. The true story of Tony Joe Henry, a woman tried for the crime of murder in 1942 in the state of Louisiana. This episode contains descriptions of murder and other assaults. Listener discretion is advised. The movie starts with based on a true story on the screen. We see we are in Louisiana with shots of downtown buildings, a riverboat, and a covered bridge. A young woman talks about growing up in Shreveport in a house that was in a row of houses that all looked the same and that were across from the railroad. Her daddy worked for the railways. She tells us that after her mama died, her daddy and new stepmom began to take it out on her, and she left. She was only 12. Aunt Emma took me in for a spell until Charlotte's became my new home. I knew the one thing I had going for me was my looks. I came in through the back door as Annie B. McQuiston, but when I left in 39, it was through the front door as Tony Joe Henry. Ms. Charlotte ran the place known as Charlotte's the finest brothel in Shreveport. Tony Joe is all decked out and is lying on a couch in the downstairs of the brothel. A handsome cowboy catches her eye, but he has many girls around him and he is done for the night and is leaving. The next day she goes to see him in a boxing match. He is hit against the ropes and his eyes land on her. He smiles, turns back around, and knocks the other guy out. They go out for ice cream after the fight. He tells her he wants to see her again. She tells him he knows where Miss Charlotte's is. He says he wants to see her away from there. They go out on a date to dinner, and another day they go out shopping. They continue to see each other, and we see them on a picnic. At Cowboy's next fight, Tony Joe is there cheering him on, and she continues to do so for the fight after that. Things are going very well, and they continue to date, and Cowboy continues to win his fights. Then one day, Cowboy comes by Miss Charlotte's in the afternoon when Tony Joe wasn't expecting him. Miss Charlotte tells him he can go up and that Tony Joe is alone. Upstairs, he finds her with a syringe and a tourniquet. He goes to take it away, asking what it is, and Tony Joe grabs it and tells him she needs it. He asks her, what is going on? Is it going to be him or the dope monkey on her back? He is holding the syringe and she is trying to get it. He tells her to choose, but she says she can't. Eventually, she is just in his arms and sobbing. He tells her that she doesn't have to do it on her own. We then see a montage of Cowboy getting cold washcloths for her, Tony Joe thrashing and going through the worst of her withdrawals, Cowboy holding her and trying to comfort her. While she is going through this, she has fever dream memories of her dad abusing her. She is asking for her mommy, and her dad tells her she's dead. She is trying to get away from him, and he grabs her by the leg and says, Where are you going, good for nothing? Another scene is her new stepmother dragging her back into a building and saying that she has to service those men. 
Cowboy is there for her through all of it. Even when she fights him and slaps him hard, he just stops her and leaves the room for a while, but he comes back. When the worst of it is through, he is there holding her and telling her she is doing great. Tony Joe is flashing back to when she went to her Aunt Emma's house and was asking her to please let her stay there. She tells her Aunt Emma she will clean up the house real good and fix dinner. Her aunt asks her if Beth is not treating her good. Tony Joe cries, Please don't make me go back there. Those men smell bad. When Tony Joe is done with the withdrawals and feeling much better, Cowboy takes her up to dinner and tells her that they should do something crazy. Like what? she asks. We should get hitched. They get married, and we find out Henry is his last name. Claude Henry, but known as Cowboy. Tony Joe Henry, she says. It has a nice ring to it. Soon after, they are at another boxing match for Cowboy. The ref tells the two fighters that whoever wins gets to go to Beaumont for a whole series of fights with the big boys. After he wins, Tony Joe tells him she's so excited to go to Texas. He tells her he is not so sure it is a good idea because he got into some trouble in Texas. But then he says it was so long ago that probably no one remembers it. It's December and they are in Texas watching a boxing match. A man who knows Cowboy comes over and says, Ain't you a sight for sore eyes? Cowboy shakes his hand and asks him, When did they let you out? He laughs and says, Which time? Then Cowboy introduces them. This is my wife, Tony Joe. Tony Joe, this is Arky. Arky starts making references to their past and Cowboy shuts them down. Then as Cowboy is escorting Tony Joe out, Arky says something about Bonnie and Clyde. Tony Joe sits back down. The Bonnie and Clyde, she asks? You knew them? The very ones, little lady. You never told her about the Barrows? Cowboy tells him he is there to check out the competition, not shoot the breeze with Arky. Arky says there is something he has to do anyway. See you around, Cowboy. That night, Cowboy is in the ring and he knocks out his opponent. Tony Joe and Cowboy are celebrating after the fight when he is arrested. She tells the police they can't take him. It's their honeymoon. One of the arresting officers tells her that he killed a policeman in Texas and he will either swing or die in prison. In court, he is found guilty of manslaughter and is sentenced to 50 years of hard labor at the Huntsville Penitentiary. Afterwards, Tony Joe is having lunch with Cowboy's friend Arky. She asks him if he and Cowboy really ran with Bonnie and Clyde. Arky says, Well, I was the one that introduced Cowboy to Buck Barrow when we was all in Huntsville. We got out, pulled a couple of bank jobs to get Buck some money so we could catch up with his brother, Clyde. How many banks? Tony Joe asks. I don't remember. Then he looks like he's thinking. He looks around the restaurant and motions for her to come closer to him. She does. He says, You know, me and you could rob a bank. There's a bank in this little town in Harrell, Arkansas, near about where I grew up. She asks them how they are going to get there, and he tells her they will get a car. Actually, she will get them a car, but leave it up to him, he says. Arky gets them a gun, and then he has Tony Joe try to hitch a ride. When a man pulls over for her, she tells him that she and her brother are trying to get to Arkansas. The man tells her he is going to Jennings, Louisiana, and he can take them there, which is part of the way. Tony Joe jumps in the front seat, and Arky loads her luggage and then climbs into the back seat. The driver tells them his name is Joseph P. Calloway, and friends call him J.P. He tells them he owns a car dealership back in Houston. He doesn't like to travel on the Lord's Day, but he is delivering the car to a friend of his. On a quiet part of the road, Arky pulls a gun on J.P. 
JP tells Arky he doesn't want any trouble, and Arky tells him just to pull over. Arky tells him to get out of the car, and he holds him at gunpoint while he empties his pockets. JP dutifully complies and tells Arky to have the money, take it. Tony Joe goes through the wallet and asks him if that is all he has. He tells her yes, that he doesn't travel with much money. Arky tells her to open the trunk, and while Tony Joe is passing him, she accidentally calls him by name. JP catches on that this was a big mistake, and he looks at Arky and says, I won't say anything, mister. I promise I won't say anything, really. Arky makes JP get in the trunk and then accidentally slams the trunk's door on JP's hand. He lifts the trunk lid back up and pushes JP's hand in, and then they drive off. They go off to a lonely country road, and Arky gets JP out of the trunk. He keeps the gun on him and tells him to take off his clothes. J.P. has blood dripping from his smashed hand and it's all over. While J.P. is taking them off, Arky tells Tony Joe that this will slow him down. They don't want him running out right after they take off. Then they have J.P. go behind a haystack. There is some confusing talk about who has the gun, and then there is a gunshot. All of this is unseen as they are behind the haystack. The movie moves on and Tony Joe is now in custody. Somehow, the authorities have her, but they don't have Arky or know who he is. It is arranged through them that Tony Joe will go to Beaumont to see Cowboy in exchange for giving them the name of her accomplice, who as of then she was only calling the Little Yellow Rat. Once they meet, Cowboy tells Tony Joe to give up Arky, that that is her only chance. They touch hands through the fence. Tony Joe tells him she loves him. In jail, Tony Joe's lawyers are there to see her. She is reading a newspaper, and she tells them Arky is a no-good rat, and he put all the blame on her. Apparently, in the newspapers, there was reports that J.P. was tortured before he was shot. Tony Joe tells the lawyers that never happened. The newspapers are full of crap, and there was no torture. When she asks, the lawyers tell her this is the very first murder case they have handled. They are tax attorneys. In front of the courthouse, we see Mrs. Calloway and her daughter with their lawyer. The lawyer stops to answer the reporter's questions and says they will be demanding the death penalty for the murder of J.P. Calloway for both the man and woman responsible. In court for jury selection, we see just how smooth the prosecution is versus the tax attorneys. One of them fumbles through the questions to the possible jurists, and the judge has to tell him to speak up several times. Chairs are brought up front for Mrs. Calloway and her daughter to sit right in front of the jury, the defense attorney objects, but it is overruled. The judge says they are fine where they are, and they can sit there. Everything that the defense attorneys object to is overruled. The crime scene photo is entered into evidence. It shows the naked body of J.P. Calloway laying behind the haystack. The lawyers object, saying that establishing death can be done another way, and the only reason to show the photo is to inflame and prejudice the minds of the jury. The judge overrules, and the jury is allowed to see the photo. The coroner is on the stand. Cause of death, he testifies, gunshot wound to the head by a thirty-two caliber pistol. The coroner says there was another wound on the victim, a severe laceration to the hand that went clean to the bone. The defense attorney asks if there was any other evidence, besides the wound to the hand, that there was torture. The coroner says no. A sheriff is up on the stand next, and he tells how they drove Tony Joe around to find the body. He also testifies that the gun the prosecution has entered into evidence is in fact the one Mrs. Henry had. 
The ballistics report verified that that was the gun that was used to kill J.P. Calloway. The sheriff also testifies that on the way back from Beaumont to visit her husband, Mrs. Henry said she did not fire the shot that killed J.P. Calloway. Emma Holt is the next one on the stand. She is Tony Joe's aunt. When was the last time she had seen Tony Joe? She tells them that she hadn't seen her for four years before she showed up at her house. Tony Joe was very nervous, she told the court. They ask her who George McQuiston is, and she tells them that he is her brother. He is state police, and he is nothing like Tony Joe's pa. She says they don't understand. Annie B., Tony Joe, had to leave home when she was only 12 years old. Emma Holt is crying now and then sobbing. The judge tells them it's a good time to break for the day. The next morning, Emma Holt is back on the stand, and she is telling them about Tony Joe arriving at the house in the middle of the night. Tony Joe told her she had done something awful. She shot a man in the heart. Emma Holt says Tony Joe was crying, and she handed her a gun that she had taken out of her purse. That's when she says she told her they would give her Uncle George a call. The prosecutor asks her, She told you I shot a man? Yes, her aunt says. I'm not sure if that's what she meant to say. She was in a state. When asked, Emma Holt testified that her brother George came with two policemen to get Annie B., who is now known as Tony Joe. It's the defense's turn now, and they ask her about Tony Joe's childhood. She testified that Annie B.'s, Tony Joe's mother, passed away when she was 10 and that she came to live with her aunt when she was almost 12. Tony Joe's father made her quit school and get a job at the macaroni factory. She worked there until almost the time when she came to live with her aunt. The macaroni factory fired her when they found out her mother died of TB. She told how the whiskey had turned Tony Joe's father into a mean man. Tony Joe always had bruises on her body, and she knew he hit her. Tony Joe is next on the stand. The defense asks Tony Joe to talk about her husband, what happened to him, and where he is. Then he asks about meeting Mr. Calloway. He asks her if both she and Finn and Burks had guns. We find out Finn and Burks is Arky's real name. He was called Arky because he was from Arkansas. She tells him that both of them had guns. Were both the guns loaded, he asks her. No, only one had bullets. Who had that gun, the defense attorney asks. Finn and Burks. So Burks had the only loaded gun? Yes, sir. She tells him how Arky pulled out the gun and told J.P. Calloway to stop the car. Then he had Mr. Calloway get in the turtle back, the trunk, she described how Arky slammed the hood so hard it cut up the fella's hand real bad. Who drove? Arky, she says. I never learned to drive. So Burks drove the car. Yes, sir. Go on, he tells her. Arky drove for a while and then stopped to the side of a dirt road. He made him get out and take his clothes off. There was some conversation. I don't remember what it was all about. I was picking up all the clothes, and Mr. Calloway went to the back of the haystack and yelled down and said, Don't you know you're going to the penitentiary for this? And I told him he better think of where he was going, and I started back toward the car. She heard the gunshot as she was running, and then Arky came up beside her. She asked him what he did. He told her he shot him in the heart. The lawyer asks her what they did after they left. Tony Joe tells him they stopped down the road and burned his clothes. Then Arky drove them to a little town in Arkansas where they were going to rob a bank. But there was no bank. It had closed. Later that evening, she says she hit Arky over the head with a pistol and then got a bus ticket to her Aunt Emma's house. Tony Joe's defense attorney wants to ask her about her childhood, but the prosecutor objects. The judge says he can see no additional relevant information from this line of questioning. 
The objection is sustained. The prosecutor says, You changed your story about who shot the man after visiting with your husband. Yes. Mrs. Henry, you say you are devoted to your husband because he cured you of a drug habit? Yes. Then you are no longer an addict? No. That's wonderful, Mrs. Henry. Congratulations. Then to the judge, that's all, Your Honor. The judge asks if defense has any more questions. They say, the defense rests. The judge says they will begin closing arguments in the morning. The next morning, the prosecutor stands in front of the jury with a glass of water. This water represents the life of two women. Their lives were as clean as this water. He dumps black ink into the water in the glass. This ink is the slayer's bullet, which brought gloom and heartbreak to the very souls of this widow and her daughter. You have a responsibility to the state of Louisiana to protect it from people like Mrs. Henry. Do the right thing. Death is the only verdict and just punishment. A male observer in the courtroom yells out, Hang her! A woman yells, Let her swing! The defense is up for closing arguments. It is our belief, based on the evidence presented, that our client should not be found guilty as charged, which in this case means sentencing her to death. The only direct testimony of who shot Mr. Calloway establishes that it was not Mrs. Henry who pulled the trigger, but Finn and Burks. It was Burks who secured the murder weapon, and it was Burks who drove the stolen car. There is no proof beyond a reasonable doubt that Mrs. Henry actually shot J.P. Calloway. Only circumstantial evidence. Jury, you cannot sentence a woman to hang by neck until dead based on circumstantial evidence. Now in a few minutes, the judge will issue your possible verdicts in this case. We respectfully, respectfully ask that you return a verdict other than guilty as charged and spare the life of Tony Joe Henry. Well, that's it. The judge now directs the jury. Gentlemen of the jury, we've given you the necessary elements to prove the crime of murder. Further, gentlemen, if you find from the evidence provided in this case that this defendant conspired with another or others to commit a felony, and that during the course of that conspiracy one of the conspirators, not the defendant, actually pulled the trigger that shot J.P. Calloway, then the defendant is just as guilty under law as though she pulled the trigger herself. Court will be in recess while the jury deliberates. Tony Joe Henry is found guilty as charged. The courtroom erupts in cheers. Tony Joe is in jail while her attorneys seek an appeal. While they are waiting for the outcome, Tony Joe's jail guard asks a priest to come in and talk to her. The priest wants to know if she actually asked for him or a priest at all. The jail guard says no. The priest says he does not force himself or his faith on anyone. The jail guard said that's why he is the perfect person to go talk to her. The news comes back that Tony Joe has won an appeal. While waiting for the new trial, she is introduced to the priest and they end up forming a friendship. It is that priest who arranges for a reporter to interview her. This reporter was one of her worst critics, but after talking with her for some time, he writes an article that is rather nice about her. In it, he says that Tony Joe maintains her innocence in firing the bullet, but she does take responsibility for her part in the crime. Mrs. Henry claims she's not unlike any other woman in love with her husband, and that's what drove her to make some bad decisions. In the article, Tony Joe jokes that she needs a sewing machine to make new clothes, since everyone keeps commenting about her appearance in the newspaper articles. Soon, a sewing machine is donated to her, and other women write and send money for material for the clothes. Her jail cell is furnished with chairs and a small sofa, and Tony Joe makes curtains for the windows. 
She is discussing her upcoming trial with her lawyers and the priest when the guard comes in with a newspaper. He slaps it down on the table, and they all read the headline, Japanese Attack Pearl Harbor. The next trial is delayed until the next year, but when it starts, there is a new witness on the stand, Horace Finnan Burks, who goes by Finnan, but his friends call him Arky. The prosecution says to him, Mr. Burks, you have already been sentenced to die for the murder of Joseph P. Calloway, is that correct? Yes, sir. So you have nothing to gain by your testimony here? No, sir, nothing to gain. Tell us what happened when you picked up Mr. Calloway. Well, we did hitchhike. We were given a ride by Mr. Calloway. Tony Joe had the only gun with bullets. She wanted to put him in the turtle back to keep him quiet. Tony Joe gets up and screams, That's a lie. I did slam his hand in the turtle back, Arky continues, but it was on accident. After we were driving for a while, Tony Joe wanted me to pull off the road because of his hollering on account of his hand. You pulled off the road? Yeah. Then she wanted him to strip. After he undressed, we walked him behind those rice stacks. Tony Joe told me to take his clothes back to the car. I heard the gunshot while I was walking back. I asked her, what did she do? She told me she shut up, and I asked her, well, did she kill him? She just told me to pick up the clothes and shut up, and then she got in the car. Where did you drive to? I told her we should go to Arkansas to rob a bank. What happened? The bank was gone. Some people in the courtroom laugh. Arky smiles. She was sore. I knew there was no bank there. I just wanted to get as close to my home as I could. And what did you do next? I told her that we should hide out for a bit and then go on to another town. He says that he suggested they get more bullets for the gun, and Tony Joe grabbed the gun and said that was a good idea. She gave him J.P.'s watch and told him to trade it for bullets. As he left, she told him not to double-cross her. So you were afraid for your life? the lawyer asks. I was afraid she would do me like she did Mr. Calloway. No further questions, Your Honor. It's the defense's turn to question the witness. After you were convicted and sentenced for killing Mr. Calloway, were you hoping for another trial? Yes, it was denied. Arky, did you recently send Mrs. Henry a letter? The prosecution objects, but the judge reads the letter. He allows it and says, overruled. Did you recently send Mrs. Henry a letter promising that you would shoulder the entire blame for the killing if she would help you with a possible jailbreak? I just wanted to see what she would say, Arky answers. Just to be clear, is that a yes? Yes. Isn't it true, Arky, that you did in fact fire the fatal shot to Mr. Calloway? No, sir. You know how to fire a gun? Yes, sir, I was in the Army. Oh, you were in the Army. They teach you how to fire a weapon? Yes, sir. Wasn't it the business of the United States Army to teach all their soldiers to fire their weapons accurately? They try. Is that a yes? Yes. After you were instructed to fire your weapon with deadly accuracy, isn't it true you deserted the Army of the United States? Yes, but I was going to turn myself in. Weren't you convicted and served time in Huntsville, Texas for armed robbery? Yes, sir. The defense says he has no further questions for the witness. The prosecution raises his hand and says he would like to redirect the question to the witness. What was your purpose in writing to Mrs. Henry? I knew she would lie about who fired the gun. I figured she had a better chance of getting off, being a good-looking woman and all, and she could help me escape. Another well-thought-out plan, the attorney says. Thank you, Mr. Burks. Both sides rest, and it goes out to jury deliberation. After only an hour, they are called back into court. A newspaper is flashed across the screen. The headline reads, 
Tony Joe Henry given death penalty a second time. While working on appeal, the priest keeps her and her attorney's company. She tells the priest he has restored her faith. He says he has been waiting a long time to hear those words. She tells him that she meant her faith in humanity, not in God. He tells her that is how God loves her, through people like him. She doesn't like that, thinking of the horrible people that have been in her life. He tells her that nothing goes unnoticed, and that includes you and the injustices in your life. He's just waiting for you to reach out to him. He'll do the rest. Another day, Tony Joe, the priest, and the two attorneys are talking. They ask what it is that she is sewing. She tells them that it is her execution dress. Everyone goes quiet. Tony Joe has been reading the Bible and writing down questions she has for the priest. He meets with her often to go over it all. Then another newspaper on the screen. Mrs. Henry loses appeal. Death warrant issued. The next scene shows Cowboy trying to escape from prison, but he is caught. In Cowboy's next letter to her after his escape attempt, he tells her that the bastards owe them a phone call and that he is working on another plan. She is reading it to the priest, and she says, so this is the good part. It will be a long time until you see those pearly gates. They can't do this to you. Anyways, you'll always be my pearl in the rough. I think he meant to say diamond in the rough, Tony Joe says. They both laugh, and the priest tells her that he will see what he can do about a phone call. She also tells him she is ready to be baptized. Tony Joe gets to have her last phone call with Cowboy. She tells him that this was her last wish, this phone call. She asks him to promise her no more trying to escape, no more robbing banks, no more hurting people, baby. Please be good. He tells her he will. They are both crying. They talk about wishing they had more time, and they each say, I love you. Tony Joe gets baptized. The next newspaper headline says, Date set for Mrs. Henry, first woman to be electrocuted. Tony Joe has to have all her hair cut off for the cap mask, she is told. She is not having that. She tells them she wants a hanging. The father tries to comfort her. She tells them she won't let them do it. It's all she has left, and they want to take it. He tells her she is more than her hair. You are more than your looks, and you are braver than anyone in this room. You have been such a bright and colorful spot in my life. Because you are a bright and colorful person, you are unique, and you have worth, and no one can take that from you. You can do this. You can do this because I won't leave your side, not even for one minute before you leave this world for the glory that awaits you. After they cut off all of her hair, they shave her head. Tony Joe ties a scarf around her head to walk to the chair. She says goodbye to her guard, her attorneys. Then she is led to the chair as the father reads to her from the Bible. The deputies secure the arm restraints on her chair. Tony Joe tells the father that she knows what Jesus was writing in the sand. It was her name, her names, Annie Beatrice McQuiston and Tony Joe Henry. She says she guesses it took him so long because of all the bad things she did. The priest tells her, and he wrote pardoned next to all of them. You sure Jesus will take the rap for me? Guaranteed, he tells her. They place the cap on her and ask her if there are any last words. She shakes her head. They put the hood over her. The movie flashes through quick scenes of Tony Joe with Cowboy, and then the killing, and the trial, her baptism, her friends in jail, and then her and Cowboy walking off together. 
The movie shows a picture of the real Tony Joe in the dress she made, sitting in a chair on the morning of the day of her execution. I'll post the picture online. Here is what the movie said accompanied by the picture. Horace Finnan Archie Burks was executed in the same electric chair as Tony Joe Henry on March 22, 1953. Claude Cowboy Henry was paroled on April 18, 1945. He was shot and killed in Dallas, Texas on July 15, 1945. Norman Anderson and Clement Moss returned to practice tax law, never again to try a criminal case. Father Richard made sure Tony Joe was buried with her hair, never believing that she deserved the death penalty. Although condensed, the testimony and questioning from the courtroom scenes were taken directly from actual court transcripts. Tony Joe Henry was born Annie Beatrice McQuiston on January 3, 1916. Tony Joe was the third of five children. Her mother died when she was six years old. Most reports say Tony Joe was 13 when she started working at the macaroni factory, and she was let go when they found out there was TB in the family. Her father beat her for losing the job, and Tony Joe left home. She became a street hustler and prostitute. She later went on to work at the brothel in the red-light district of Shreveport. She met Claude Cowboy Henry in 1939 at the brothel. Most accounts say he was a down-on-his-luck prize fighter. They got married November 25, 1939. He was arrested while they were on their way home from the honeymoon for the murder of a San Antonio police officer, Arthur Sinclair. In January 1940, he was sentenced to 50 years in Huntsville, Texas State Penitentiary. Tony Joe wanted to break Cowboy out of prison, so she and Archie hatched a plan. Archie knew the layout of the prison Cowboy was in. The plan was to rob a bank to get enough money to help with the breakout. They started out by hitchhiking to get the car to use for a getaway vehicle. J.P. Calloway gave them a ride, and they pulled the gun on him and ordered him in the trunk. After driving out to a country road, they had him stripped. Some accounts say that Tony Joe was going to use the clothes for Cowboy to change into once they broke him out. Calloway was then shot and died there. No one knows for sure who pulled the trigger. When they got to Arkansas, Archie said he was worried about what lengths Tony Joe would go in order to get Cowboy out of prison, so he left her there and took the car. No way to know for sure that that was the truth, but whatever he said, he did in fact take the car and leave. Tony Joe did in fact take a bus home and went to her Aunt Emma's house. Her aunt called her brother, who was a state trooper. She confessed her part in the murder and led them to the body. She had three trials and was found guilty and sentenced to death in all three. In her first trial, she was sentenced to death by hanging, but by the time of the end of the third trial, Louisiana had changed their method of execution to the electric chair. While in prison, she and Father Wayne Richard became friends. He did, in fact, baptize her. Cowboy did try and escape prison four days before Tony Joe's execution in an attempt to see her one more time, but he was recaptured. Father Richard was present at her execution, and he officiated at her funeral. Cowboy was paroled in April of 1945 due to poor health. He was shot and killed by a cafe owner in July of 1945. Tony Joe Henry was executed on November 28, 1942. Stay tuned after the music to hear the bonus movie names.
The bonus movie for today is The Riverman. It is a 2004 movie that I found available to stream for free on Tubi TV as well as Amazon Prime. It stars Sam Yeager, Bruce Greenwood, and Carrie Ells. A series of interviews are conducted with convicted serial killer Ted Bundy in hopes of gaining insight into the Green River Killer who is terrorizing Seattle. It's 1982 and Detective Dave Reichert is on the trail of the Green River Killer who is responsible for the deaths of over a dozen women. With few leads and the death toll mounting, Reichert seeks help from retired investigator Robert Keppel, but as he examines the case, Keppel decides to consult someone who knows about murder firsthand, serial killer Ted Bundy. Bundy seems interested in cooperating, but there's a catch. He wants off death row. The movie goes through the investigation for the Green River Killer and flashes back on the investigation for Ted Bundy. It's fairly well done and pretty interesting. Thank you for listening. Please share about the podcast with your friends and online. It's the best thing you can do to support a podcaster you like. You are, of course, welcome to hit me up on Patreon as well. Please visit me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Avenue Crime and also on Instagram as Cherry Avenue True Crime. Thanks again, and as always, be safe. The sources for today's episode will be in my show notes and as are follows. Tony Joe Henry, 1916-1942, Find a Grave Memorial. Claude David Cowboy Henry, 1913-1945, Find a Grave Memorial. Tony Joe Henry, CapitalPunishmentUK.org. A Courthouse Ghost, Tony Joe Henry, Anomalian.com. Tony Joe, Rodiva.com. Tony Joe Henry, enacademic.com. Tony Joe Henry, Wikipedia, The Pardon, Wikipedia, The Pardon Movie.